What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another episode of NXT, and I am very excited to be back here again. And before I get started, I do have to give uh, one quick shout-out here uh, to the NXT correspondent who has been gone a lo- has been gone for quite a while here on the show. Uh, he's been off uh, planning his wedding and dealing with a lot of other things. Well, I'm happy to announce that this past Saturday, John Tumblin and his fiance finally tied the knot. John Tumblin is officially a married man, ball and chain and all. <laughs> 
<laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, we are very happy for John here on the Boochcast and for his lovely new wife, who is also a friend of the show. And we give that we wish them a lifetime of happiness. And we look forward to John eventually returning to the Boochcast. I do not have a date yet on when John will be returning. I will have a chance to talk to him at some point this week. And obviously, I will have a chance to uh, congratulate him and get his schedule and find out when he can return because God knows he has missed a lot of crazy shit that has gone down here on NXT. And I look forward to him coming back to the show and sharing his knowledge and expertise and love for NXT and definitely get his perspective on all the changes that have happened and everything going on in the future with NXT. But until he does return, the show must go on and we will be kicking things off with the recap of NXT October 12th and the best part is uh, since I already did three weeks worth of NXT already we only got one episode to do here also I put out a classic episode uh, a few days ago uh, with my special guest Atlanta comedian Josh Harris if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode please go back and listen to it Josh Harris is a very good friend of mine hilariously funny comedian and a tremendous talent so I hope you guys will get a chance to listen to that great kick-ass interview and on that note we start out with NXT we cut to a moment where earlier in the day Hit Row made their way to the parking lot and they were attacked by Legato Del Fantasma Escobar and company tossed Top Dalla and B-Fab in their truck and drive off Escobar stayed behind to wish Swerve good luck in their match later tonight which I thought this was very very odd I really did uh and I'm gonna tell you why I thought this was odd Top Dalla is a big motherfucker. I refuse to believe that Legato Del Fantasma could beat down Top Dalla, kidnap him, and hold him in a van for very long without any guns or knives or any weapons. So that was not believable. B-Fab, I could see that happening. If that had been B-Fab and the Adonis, that would have been more believable. And I would have liked, I'd rather they kidnap them and drive off and then maybe at some point Top Dollar gets jumped um, in the parking lot or something. They incapacitate him. They bombard him and put him out of the picture. I think that would have been a much better uh, scenario if they just attacked uh, Top Dollar and like beat him senseless and sent him like you know being carried off on a stretcher or something or needing medical attention and not being able to go out to the ring. But the possibility of Swerve having to go out there by himself adds an element of excitement to the match. Because the one thing we have to keep in mind here is that Hit Row is going to SmackDown. They've been drafted. So this is pretty much their last night on NXT. Unless they get to be on NXT next Tuesday before Crown Jewel, which takes place next Thursday, this is pretty much their last time in NXT. So the logical thing to do here is to have Escobar beat Swerve and walk out with the NXT North American Championship. Because as much as I love uh, Swerve and Hit Row, they're leaving, so they have to do the honors. It makes logical sense. So to take Hit Row out of the picture, it allows Escobar to cheat, if possible, and use some heel tactics to walk out with the title. So I thought that was very, very good to get rid of Hit Row. I just didn't find it believable that those guys were big enough and strong enough to take out Top Dollar without any guns or knives or anything. I thought that... That was stupid. B-Fab made sense. 
You know, it did. It made sense. Not, And I'm not just saying that because she's a woman. I'm saying because of the numbers game. You know, B-Fab's a strong woman, but not strong enough to take out two guys and a chick. Just not. Just not. No way. So th- I just would have been better off if they'd done it a little differently. But on that note, we cut to an in-ring segment with Joe Gacy. Gacy says he is doing his good work for all of us. His snowflakes. Gacy will defeat the walking ball of toxic masculinity, Tommaso Ciampa, and insert himself in the NXT Championship match at Halloween Havoc. Once again, Joe Gacy is working this libtard gimmick very well. I love it. This woke jackass gimmick is so well done. It's insane. I love how he's playing it. I love how he's doing this. Like, he's fighting to defeat somebody who is toxic and justifying that, you know, he is not being violent. He's just standing up for himself and trying to justify all that. Like, it's just, he plays into that so well. And the the fact that that is something that is so big in society right now, especially with all the controversy going around with Dave Chappelle's latest uh, comedy special on Netflix, this gimmick works. And that's what a lot of people forget about professional wrestling. A lot of times they take things that are going on in the current dynamic and use it to try to create a character and a gimmick. And if it's close to who you are, it works even better. So I don't know if Joe Gacy really is a woke, libtard snowflake or not. But if there's any part of him that is, and he's just turning the dial up, it works. I can feel this gimmick. And on that note, we move on to the first official match of the evening. Tommaso Ciampa versus Joe Gacy. This match was a great opening contest. I did not expect this match to open the show, but the fact that it did set the tone for the rest of the night. Because these two had a hell of a match. And then this one guy, Harland, is in the crowd watching the match. They kind of lock eyes because they're wondering what type of relationship does Harland have with Joe Gacy? What kind of uh, is going on here? Are they friends? Is this a master-slave kind of thing? Is this a bodyguard that he's hired or whatever? It's very weird. But either way, this match was great. Ciampa and Gacy brought the fight to each other. Ciampa making it clear this was not going to be a safe space for Gacy as he beats the shit out of him. Gacy fights back and does very, very well. And I also love the believability in the match. Like when Gacy did that handspring lariat that he tried before, Ciampa drop kicked him right in the face. Believable, great moments, and something that was very timed well. Gacy missed the moonsault. Ciampa hits the fairy tale ending. One, two, three. The winner of the match, Tommaso Ciampa. And Tommaso definitely needed the win here, and the and it's for two reasons. One, he has to look strong going into Halloween Havoc as the champion, but also because Joe Gacy is not even close to being ready to be NXT champion. And also, triple threat matches are shit. I hate them. Most wrestling purists hate them because they provide lazy booking. I don't like triple threat matches. I despise them. So the fact that Joe Gacy is not being added to the match at Halloween Havoc is great. It's just going to be Tommaso Ciampa one-on-one against Braun Breaker, and that's what it needs to be. And I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, well, Booch, you're saying Joe Gacy's not right to be a champion. You think Braun Breaker is? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, he's definitely moving up the ladder very quickly, but he is a badass. He does have a great wrestling background, and he just needs to work on his 
psychology and his delivery, and he'll be there. Like he's all, he's got practically all the tools. So if he did win the NXT title, it wouldn't shock me as much because he's got the body, he's got the promos, he's got the in-ring skill. The only thing he's lacking is his psychology. He needs more ring psychology, more ring awareness, you know? So that's the only thing he's missing. So if he did win the NXT title, it wouldn't surprise me. Do I think he's going to win? With everything that's that's going to be happening at Halloween Havoc later in the show, and I won't, I'll get to that in a minute, probably not. I, I don't think he's going to win but if he did I wouldn't be against it because you'd be building up a new star who's only missing one thing and hopefully somebody in that NXT locker room can teach it to him hopefully there's some agent in the back that can teach him psychology in fact if Triple H you know gets medically cleared soon and can eventually come back to work hopefully he can be the guy to teach Braun Breaker everything he needs to know because I'm assuming he's not going to hold a grudge against Braun Breaker because of all the shit Scott Steiner his uncle has said about about Triple H over the years. Steiner's made it clear he fucking hates the guy. But I'm really hoping that all this, the comments that Scott Steiner has made about Triple H will not hinder Braun Breaker's push once Triple H is back at NXT. So that might be the one good thing about Vince and Bruce having more control over NXT. Because Triple H, he may or may not be a petty motherfucker in this case. I don't know. I, I assume he wouldn't be because Triple H wants NXT to be successful. And if the crowd is behind Braun Breaker, he will do what's best for business in the spirit of NXT. Triple H has shown that. And so, of course, after the match, Ciampa was walking up the ramp and Harlan attacked him. Gacy walks towards Harlan. Harlan grabs Gacy by the throat. Gacy kind of strokes Harlan's face with, like, the back of his hand. Kind of like the way this uh, one porn star would do when she was, like, you know, fucking this guy. So I'm thinking, like, okay, are they, like, gay lovers or something? This is very creepy. Harlan eventually runs away. Gacy tries to help Ciampa up, but Ciampa pushes him away, which, again, I like. Because Gacy's once again trying to show he's a sportsmanship guy. He doesn't do cheap shots. He doesn't attack people from behind. He fights. He wrestles. He wins or loses. But after the match... He helps his opponent up because he wants to say, hey, there's two winners here. All of us are winners in life. And on that note, we cut to the ring uh, as uh, uh, Joe Gacy is walking up the ramp. Toxic Attraction makes their way to the ring. JC Jane, Gigi Dolan, and Mandy Rose, who are saying they're going to make history at Halloween Havoc when they take home all the gold. And I'm going to be honest... I wasn't feeling this promo. I wasn't. At least not from JC Jane. Uh, Gigi Dolan, uh, you know, a.k.a. Priscilla Kelly, she did pretty good on the mic. You know, she's a very good talker and knows how to get into her gimmick. Mandy Rose, I'll give her credit. Her promo skills were very much on point in this one. You know, she's like the baddest bitch on the roster and also wanting to face Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship at Halloween Havoc. Uh, So she's making her challenge known. Also, Gigi and JC Jane want the tag team titles. And they're talking about how this division will be ours. And at one point, JC says, we toxic attraction couldn't care less about the rules. We do what we want, when we want, and what we want are the NXT women's tag team titles. Okay, I've said this before 
I think I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Toxic Attraction just got their asses handed to them by Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. So nothing they say about dominating the division or taking the titles or being a threat to the champions is believable. Now I'll give Mandy credit. Again, I don't do this often with her, but in this case, I will give credit where it's due. She even said, you got lucky last time, but this time you won't. JC didn't have enough promo sense to even go there. She's still talking like they're badasses. You lost decisively. You even had a moment of distraction and still fucking lost. That's even more pathetic. So, I'm having a hard time believing that you ladies are going to win those tag team titles. Now, Mandy, she's got a shot. But I will say this. If Toxic Attraction does, in fact, get shots at the titles, they have to win. Regardless of how I feel about Mandy Rose, for this faction to work, for this faction to thrive and for them to truly take over the division they have to win if they get title shots they have to be dripping in women's gold for this to work if they do not walk out of halloween havoc with those titles this whole gimmick is dead it's dead you've already killed it if they don't have the belts Because if you don't have the belts and you lose continuously, you can't make the crowd believe that you're dominant. Dominant people don't lose. They win. Whether they win legitimately or they cheat to win is irrelevant. Dominant means you win consistently. And all three of these women were in big profile matches with the titles on the line and they lost. Right now, they have no credibility. Right now, they're just trying to build to a, not even a pay-per-view, just a, a big live television event. If they don't win, Toxic Attraction is dead. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Uh, Zion Quinn versus Malik Blade. And this is another one of those awkward situations where Zion's walking to the ring as the girls are walking out, and he kind of looks at him like, hey, ladies, and then keeps going. So then they have the match. Um, at best, uh, Blade lands a couple drop kicks. Um, but Quinn hits a high angle spy buster, hits a Tito Santana-esque flying elbow strike, gets the one, two, three, the winner of the match, Zion Quinn. So it was a decent match. Uh, I will call it a match just because Blade got a couple good shots in. But uh, Zion Quinn definitely was the uh, the dominant man, took control of the match, and uh, was definitely the guy getting um, showcased here. Because that that's how you know. When when a match is that quick and you don't really know the other person and they only get a little bit of offense, it's because they're trying to shine up the other guy. Which makes sense. It's a normal thing in wrestling. So props to Zion Quinn for the win. Uh, look forward to seeing more. Next, we cut to the backstage area where Ciampa says he doesn't know what to make of Gacy. Next, the grizzled young veterans walk in and trash talk Ciampa. 
Braun Breaker walks in and tells them to lace up their boots and meet them in the ring. Gibson says they aren't dressed to compete right now, so they back off. And Breaker tells Ciampa that he's going to watch his back till Halloween Havoc because he wants to beat Ciampa for the NXT title while Ciampa is at his best. Which is a great thing for a babyface to say. And obviously, they were talking about the fact that Ciampa will be embarrassed if he loses to a rookie. And that's what triggered Breaker, then basically calling him a rookie. He's like, yeah, I'm a rookie, but I'll whoop your ass. So now we know that uh, next week on NXT, there will be a tag team match. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker versus the Grizzled Young Veterans, uh, which is going to be interesting because that's going to be the match on the NXT before Halloween Havoc. So the big question is, will Ciampa and Braun Breaker be able to coexist as a team throughout the match? From Braun Breaker's perspective, I would say yes. From Ciampa's perspective, I'm not sure. And also, after that match is over, will they shake hands and say, you know, good luck next week, may the best man win? Or are they going to come to blows? That's going to be the question. Because remember, next week is going to be the go-home before Halloween Havoc. So anything at that point can fucking happen. And then next goes to the backstage area with Swerve, who says out of everyone Legato left standing, they picked the wrong one. Swerve is taking the North American Championship to SmackDown with him, and there's nothing Escobar can do about it, not a damn thing. And he said if the goal was to get him mad and get underneath the skin, he succeeded. Uh, I will say I loved this promo, this interview from Swerve. I felt the passion in his voice, the anger, the rage that he's going to bring to this match, and it's perfect. Perfect. It's like we're going to see a different side of Swerve Scott. He's not coming out there with swagger. He's not coming out with bravado. He's not coming out with, if you don't know, now you know, and the rhymes and shit. He ain't doing that. He's coming out there like a badass. He is pissed off. He is angry, and he wants to rip somebody's throat out. That's the swerve we need to see on what is basically going to be his last match in NXT before he goes to SmackDown. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. We got Ivy Nile with Diamond Mine versus Valentina Feroz. And I will say, no, we are not calling this a match. It is a massacre. Uh, Feroz tries a crossbody. Nile catches her in midair. Does a delayed vertical suplex. Chokes her in the corner. Hits her with a body slam. Locks in the torture rack. Does a few squats. And at one point, practically folds this bitch in half across her shoulders before Valentina finally taps out. So this is basically Ivy Nile showing off the incredible strength that she has. So this is basically a coming out party for Ivy Nile, which is what we need right now. We need to see her in a badass setting. We need to see her be the tough bitch that Malcolm Bivens was making her out to be. And we got to see it, and it's great. Now, from a wrestling perspective... It was not a technical match at all. Uh, Ivy Nile did a lot more um, pacing and showboating. It was basically hitting power moves and showcasing what she can do, which is all she needs to do right now. She's not in any rivalries. She's not in any high-profile matches. She's not getting any title shots. So she doesn't need to do, you know, any technical wrestling or chain wrestling or any bullshit like that right now. Eventually, the time will come for that. But for now, we just need to show off how fucking strong she is. Because that's what's going to separate her from the rest of of the women and that is the key thing in wrestling and in life that you always have to do and that separate yourself from the pack and Ivy Nile did just that 
After the match, Malcolm Bivum says Ivy now has arrived and she didn't come to play. The Creed brothers are not here for games either. They are here putting in work. They are the most dominant team in NXT. Bivens then introduces the cruiserweight champion Roderick Strong. Before Strong can speak, Eichmann Jiro interrupts. Julius Greed tells Jiro that everything with Diamond Mine has to be earned and he stays ready. He puts his hand in Jiro puts his hand in his pocket and blasts Julius with an open hand uppercut. Jiro escapes as the rest of Diamond Mine swarms. Very interesting uh, segment there. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see Eichmann Jiro uh, doing anything badass in that regard because I can't tell if he's a legit good wrestler or if what he does is just a comedy act. I don't quite know where to place him yet. So it was good to see that. And of course, Julius Creed of the Creed Brothers, you know, showcasing how tough he is, showcasing how tough, you know, him and his brother are because they are definitely a badass tag team and they claim they're the most dominant team in NXT but they need to face some actual big names to really prove that I mean they're right now they're taking out jobbers to showcase their skills but at some point they got to put them to the test against the other tag teams in NXT and maybe if uh, assuming nothing happens with the with something else with, with, some, with another team is going to challenge them uh, hopefully they'll be the ones to beat MSK that's what I'm looking for the most and next um, Raquel Gonzalez basically says that she wants to take that she wants to accept Mandy Rose's challenge for the women's title but she'll do it on one condition and that's spin the wheel make the deal and I was hoping that this would be coming back to NXT Halloween Havoc I don't know how many matches are gonna do it so far we just got one but it's spin the wheel make the deal basically you spin the wheel and whatever match it lands on that's the stipulation I remember there was an entire Halloween Havoc pay-per-view back in WCW that was spin the wheel make the deal and I think a year or two ago when they did Halloween Havoc I can't remember if it was last year or the year before that I think it was last year uh, when they did it they spun the wheel to make the deal but only like one or two matches had the wheel so the question is are they gonna do it just for the women's title or is it gonna be for the nxt title is it gonna be for the women for any other titles they're gonna be on the line uh we need to know i'm intrigued because spin the wheel make the deal is a great great stipulation and definitely something that's gonna bring attention to the show and make it more interesting and on that note we move on to the next match of the evening uh if we even want to call it that julius Cree with a diamond mine versus eichmann Jiro. so it looks like we are gonna have this match and it's a very good match uh julius creed showcasing that he is a badass basically tossing Jiro around the ring uh but of course Jiro fires up lands a few strikes and a handstand splash out of the corner so uh this definitely was a match Jiro putting up a hell of a fight uh he was definitely no slouch no pushover uh he brought the fight to Julius Creed and Creed showing that he can stand on his own two feet and is not just a tag team guy so he lands like a Matt Hughes style body slam and a basement clothesline and gets the one two three to win the match so Julius Julius Creed establishing himself as a one-on-one single star as well as a great tag team wrestler. Eichmann Jiro getting his ass kicked as well he should because there's not a whole lot going on with him right now except for him having uh or him being style strong. So after the match, Diamond Mind stops Jiro. Kushida tries to make the save but Diamond Mind's numbers are too great and Kushida and Jiro are left laying. 
which I love because as you all know, I can't stand Kushida. I was actually very pissed off that he that he came back, and I'm really hoping this doesn't lead to a rematch between Kushida and Roderick Strong. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. I don't want to know because it's just going to suck if it does because I don't want to see them wrestle again, and I also don't want there to be any possibility where Kushida can win back the Cruiserweight title and potentially bury the diamond. And on that note, we cut to uh, lashing out with Lash Legend, which I've said before and I'll say it again. I'm starting to like this talk show. And Legend says she heard the WWE draft is going to be like the Squid Games next year, which of course she's trying to make reference to the Squid Games on uh, Netflix, which I haven't watched the series yet, but Elvis did tell me a little bit about it because he's been watching a couple episodes and obviously he'll want to share his thoughts on that when he uh, comes back to the show. But I did watch uh, on WatchMojo.com. They talked about the top 10 shocking moments. So there were some spoilers. So I do have a an idea of the structure of the show and some of the things that happened. But I'm still going to watch anyway because spoilers don't bother me. But I just want to let people know that I know a little bit about Squid Games. But apparently it's very popular with everybody. So she said WWE Draft's going to be like the Squid Games. If that, that's true, that would make it a hell of a lot more entertaining than what the fuck we saw with the draft this year. And she says Hit Row are the legends of the week. So apparently Lash Legend is a fan of Hit Row. A stagehand says that he told Tony D'Angelo there was a scheduling conflict and that's why he can't be on the show. So uh, yeah, the stagehand basically said that uh, they couldn't get Tony D'Angelo on there because Tony wanted to be there. And obviously I look forward to when that finally does happen because I think the chemistry between uh, Lash Legend and Tony D'Angelo is going to be great, but of course time will tell on that. But either way, great talk show moment. Very, very cool. Definitely love the two snaps and a clap and the crowd being into it. And you can tell some of the crowd is into it and some of them are, are the just the paid actors sitting in the audience. And uh, I will say to some of those paid actors, um, you need more acting classes because I can clearly tell some of you are faking it. But Lash legend she's great and on that note move on to the next match of the evening we got some tag team action we got kyle o'reilly and von wagner versus pete dunn and ridge holland this was a very well done tag team match i mean pete dunn and ridge holland worked very well together as a team like always taking down o'reilly o'reilly taking the brunt of the attacks until wagner take gets the hot tag and can take everybody out which is great and that's exactly what you want to do when you have a big guy and a little guy as a tag team and i'm not trying to degrade kyle o'reilly by calling him a, sm- a little guy but come on he's a little guy he's he's a great wrestler and i enjoy seeing him on tv every week but he's still a little guy especially compared to von wagner so it made sense. What I also love about it was that in the end, Wagner takes out Holland for the win. And I liked it for two reasons. One, Von Wagner gets a victory, which allows the Kyle O'Reilly-Pete Dunn feud to continue because neither one of them got pinned or tapped out. But Holland eats the pin, which is perfect because Ridge Holland is also going to SmackDown. He's on his way out the door. So it makes sense for Ridge Holland to take the pin. I mentioned before, he needs to be jobbed on the way out. 
he needs to put people over because he's no longer going to be on NXT. So there's no reason to push him like a star because he's not going to be one for NXT. Send him to SmackDown, let him get dominant over there and then rebuild Rich Holland. And on that note, we cut to a segment with Andre Chase University. Chase teaches his class about ring awareness. Odyssey Jones needed to learn that last week. Jones clearly doesn't have what it takes to succeed. One of the students points out that what Chase did was illegal. Chase goes nuts and knocks the papers off the student's desk, and Chase says he doesn't give a fuck what he thinks. And of course, they bleep out all the cussing, which I think is great. I love it. It's hilarious. Andre Chase has a fantastic gimmick. And I also love the fact that he was talking about the ring of awareness. He said you he put his foot under the rope instead of on top of the rope where the ref could see it. Now, technically, either way, you get the rope break but it's more noticeable to the ref if your foot's on the rope and Andre you know so Andre was able to push the foot out of the way but then they said what he did would technically warrant a disqualification which is true but the ref didn't see it and the ref can't call what the ref can't see so for him to get mad about that and kick the student out of the class I think is great it's a great heel move for any teacher anytime a teacher gets contradicted by a student because they have no fucking idea what they're talking about and the teacher just kicks them out of the class that's a great veteran heel move for a teacher to do because that just shows the teacher doesn't know how to fucking teach. They just kick you out of the class because they're too fucking stupid to answer your question. And you have no idea why they're getting a teaching degree. And they're the type of teachers that go, I'm the teacher, so everything I say is right. You ever see a teacher like that? Get the fuck out of the classroom. I've dealt with those teachers before. They're garbage. On that note, we cut to the parking lot where Tony D'Angelo says a producer told him there was a scheduling conflict and he couldn't be on Last Legend's show. D'Angelo says the producer was a nice guy. Then he walks away. Next thing you know, somebody's banging on the car trunk D'Angelo standing in front of, and I think that's the last we will ever see of Legend's producer. So apparently Legend's producer was in the back... Uh, in the trunk, which is funny because, again, Tony D'Angelo's whole gimmick is that he's like, he's a fucking Italian. He's old school, you know, and one of the things about Italians is whenever we transport a body, we put it in the trunk. That's why when I was a kid, you know, people used to say, yo, Bene, you an Italian, man. Say something in Italian. I'd always say, get in the fucking trunk. Yeah, that's what you say. Then anybody has got a fucking problem with you. So on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. If we even want to call it that, we got Duke Hudson versus Grayson Waller. This was a pretty quick match. You know, uh, Hudson was really beaten down on Waller. Uh, he did do the rolling stunner to get a surprise, but eventually Hudson stun guns Waller on the top rope, rolls him up with a handful of tights, gets the one, two, three. Duke Hudson makes quick work of Grayson Waller, which I didn't expect to happen, but I guess it makes sense since they aired a bunch of vignettes of Duke Hudson last week. It seems like they're clearly trying to push him, so you want to give him the win and on that note we're going to move on to the next match but before we do i will say uh indy hartwell is backstage uh giving a kiss to dexter loomis before she goes out to the ring and i did think it was weird that she turned his head sideways so he could face the camera and kissed her cheek and kissed his cheek uh it's like bitch y'all are married now you can kiss him on the lips it ain't that big a deal you know that's that's just weird to do that you know you you, you don't when, when you're when you're married to somebody you don't you don't push their face to the side to kiss the cheek. You know, you go for the lips on somebody you love. You kiss the cheek of somebody that's just your friend or your acquaintance. 
you know, if you got like a female friend or a female relative, you know, you kiss them on the cheek. That's, you know, that's the polite thing to do. That's the little, you know, the little peck on the cheek. But if you're married, you go for the lips. Show the love. I mean, it's it, that that was just stupid. It was dumb. I thought that was dumb. But anyway, I'm not going to dwell too much on that. We got a tag team match here. We got Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada versus Saray and Amari Miller. This is another quick match. Uh, decent tag team action. Uh, in the end, Hartwell lands her patented diving elbow after Parada lands an F5. They're kind of like a tag team combination there. They get the one, two, three, and they win the match. And I'm kind of liking that Indy Hartwell has a new friend and somebody to work with. They have a it's a better pairing with them than Candice LeRae. Uh, but then after the match, Parada grabs the mic and says they want a title shot. Io Shirai and Zoe Stark hit the ring. They cut their promos, and Io's like, "I don't like you. I don't like you." And Zoe's like, "Oh, let me guess. You're gonna say you don't like me either." And she says, "No, don't speak for me." It's like, "Oh, so you're gonna say that you suddenly like me now?" And her ear and Shirai's like, "No." So again, the dynamic between them, fucking stupid. Next, Toxic Attraction interrupts. A brawl breaks out. Shirai and Stark clear the ring. So now that means we have potential for a triple threat tag team match, which I think is going to happen at Halloween Havoc. I don't know if they've made that official yet. I can't remember. I'll have to look. I'll have to see uh, as the show progresses um, because I can't remember off the top of my head because I've been dealing with so much shit off the air and on the air just... Oh, God. So, I can't fully remember everything. But, I do know that this looks like we're going that route. And I feel like this could be an excuse for Zoe and Shirai to not get pinned. But, I think they should get pinned to lose the belts. And make that an incentive for Shirai and Stark to break up. And then start a rivalry with them. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Cameron Grimes who asks Waller how he managed to get his girl and Waller says it was easy Waller suggests Grimes cleans himself up and shave and Waller introduces Grimes to a dating app and Grimes is very very excited about it and Waller actually says that you know because of his accent he's able to get girls a lot easier which is true girls do fall for guys who have you know sexy accents certain types of accents can get you laid Uh, there are some accents that are guaranteed to cock block you but some accents are sexy enough to where they can get you late. So Cameron Grimes still trying to find that lady in his life and I'm intrigued to see who it's going to be when he inevitably finds her. Because it looks like they're building some kind of female storyline where there's going to be a female wrestler taking that mantle of dating Cameron Grimes. The question is, will it be true love or will it be true love with a kicker where she's after him for the money? And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the North American Championship Championship. Isaiah Swerve Scott defends the title against Santos Escobar. Now, this match was awesome. I do have some complaints. One complaint I will point out now, the other I'll point out later. But the first one is Escobar sends the rest of Legato to the back. I thought that was fucking stupid. Why did I think that was stupid? Because they took out the rest of Hit Row. You sent Hit Row packing. If you honestly believed that you could beat Swerve on your own, why take out his cronies? Because Hit Row 
is a babyface team. They're not going to interfere unless someone from Legato Del Fantasma interferes. That's what babyfaces do. Babyfaces don't interfere to help the leader because babyfaces play by the rules. Their job is to defend their guy from outside interference to keep the match one-on-one. That's the whole point of babyface factions. So for the heel to send his guys to the back defeats the purpose of getting rid of Hit Row in the first fucking place. If you're not going to cheat, why do that? That's fucking stupid. A heel doesn't send his cronies to the back. The ref sends the cronies to the back. That's the referee's job. That was fucking dumb. But anyway, I got past that. We get to the match itself. Stellar match from top to bottom. These two brought the fight to each other and brought it in an epic way. And at times, it looked like these two were going to kill each other. There's a lot of moments that looked not safe, but nobody was hurt. There were times where it looked like the match was going to be over, and it wasn't. This is a very well done match. Very well done. These guys damn near killed each other. And of course... Uh, At one point, uh, Santos does a frog splash, kind of like an Eddie Guerrero-style tribute. They hit a lot of high spots. Some I thought were a little too excessive, but didn't fully take away from everything. Wilde and Mendoza eventually hit the ring. Then Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes make the save. Swerves hits the JML driver, gets the one, two, three, the winner and still NXT North American champion, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Here's the other complaint that I had about this match. Why the fuck did Swerve win this match? As I mentioned before, he's going to SmackDown. He claims he's taking the title with him. We know he can't do that. What's going to end up happening is he would he's going to end up forfeiting the North American Championship and they're going to have to have some type of match or tournament to crown a fucking new one. That's what's going to happen. So this was stupid. This was Swerve's opportunity to put over Santos Escobar and allow Legado del Fantasma to dominate the division to dominate the brand. You had a golden opportunity to put them over and you flushed it down the toilet. So I'm sitting here going, this is fucking stupid. Until the post-match moment where Carmelo and Trick are celebrating with Swerve. All of a sudden, Hayes clocks Swerve, knocks him out. Trick hands him the contract. He signs the contract, hands it to the referee who hands it to the ring announcer and then announces that Hayes is going to execute his contract for any title match at any point, which is better than him saying cashing in because there's no money in the bank, so you can't use the term cashing in. So that was smart on the part of the ring announcer to say executing the contract. And they treated it like a money in the bank. He signs the contract, goes to the North American title. In the end, um, we now have the next match of the evening for the North American Championship. Isaiah Swerve Scott defends against Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams. This is a very quick match, but I do love the fact that when Hayes landed that springboard elbow, Swerve kicked out. Swerve did get some um, fight left in him. Hayes eventually hits a boot, boot, big boot Swerve in the face, hits an Axe kick off the top rope gets the one, two, three. The winner and the new North American champion, Carmelo Hayes. This was fucking perfect. 
it. I loved every second of this. Now, I'm not going to lie. I wish it had happened at a later date. I wish Santos Escobar had won the title here, and then eventually Carmelo Hayes took it from him. But since it now looks like Carmelo Hayes is going to be a heel alongside Trick Williams, this was the better way to go. If Carmelo was still a babyface, I would have thought this was dumb. But because he's a heel, and because he is a badass, and amazing in the ring and on the mic, I love this. I did not see this coming. I did not expect this. And I know I said that it would be stupid for Carmelo to not use this on the NXT title, but the way he executed this was perfect. And from a storyline standpoint, it works even more. Swerve put over a young guy so he can go to SmackDown and move on with Hit Row. And now Carmelo Hayes can dominate as a North American champion with Trick Williams by his side. And it shows that when Carmelo shoots his shot, he does not miss. This was perfect. This was perfect in every way. Carmelo Hayes deserves to be a champion in NXT. I hope at some point him and Trick can win the tag belts. And I definitely hope he becomes the NXT champion before he gets any sort of call up to the main roster. But that is the fucking man right there. Carmelo Hayes is the future of NXT. And he's going to have a blast with that North American Championship while they groom the NXT title and everything else. And then eventually when the time is right, Carmelo is going to add the main title, the NXT title, to his list. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of NXT. Overall, it was a decent show with a lot of decent moments. Uh, definitely setting the stage for Halloween Havoc, which I like. Setting up more matches, bringing back Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal. Now I'm just intrigued to see who's going to host the show and who's going to spin that wheel. That is going to be the best part. So they got at least one more show before Halloween Havoc. So time will tell what happens, but I can definitely say NXT 2.0 is not disappointing. There's moments that are good. There's definitely moments that suck, but overall 2.0 is not disappointing. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will officially wrap up this episode of the Boochcast. Make sure you follow the Boochcast on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or become a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content for you guys to check out. Also, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Hopefully, I'll be able to post some photos from John's wedding on there. I'm going to talk to uh, his new wife and try to get approval. Uh, Normally, I would not ask for approval for things like this, but uh, his wife is kind of in a delicate situation as far as social media, so I do need to get permission from her and find out if I can do that. I would like to, just because we want to celebrate, um, you know, their wedding and definitely look forward to John's return. But I, I, I need to get some approval on this for, for reasons. But anyway, make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got some great YouTube content up there. Our Boochcast reviews, Dark Side of the Ring show, as well as we got archived watch parties, D&D one shot, funny skits. You can check them all out on the YouTube channel. Make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that 
that bell to be notified so you can check out new content coming soon, including new episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring. We got a bunch coming up soon. We got the Brian Pillman episodes, uh, the Ultraviolence of Nick Gage, Collision in Korea, The Ultimate Warrior, The Smith Family, The Dynamite Kid, The Plane Ride from Hell, The Double Life of Chris Canyon, uh, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, and Johnny K9 all coming soon to the Boochcast YouTube channel. So hit that subscribe button, ring that bell to be notified so you can check it all out. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next one will be on Sunday, November the 21st for WWE Survivor Series. So make sure you guys join us for the Survivor Survivor Series Raw vs. SmackDown. It's going to be an epic pay-per-view. Join us Sunday, November 21st on our Twitch channel. Follow now so you can be notified when we go live. And of course, we're also going to have our live D&D show now that John is uh, officially married. And I recently found out that they're not going to be able to go on their honeymoon until next year. So John should be returning soon. So we should have all the information we need on when he's returning to the show and when the Boochcast D&D show will air. We wanted it to host in October. We're hoping that's still the case. But we've all had a lot of personal shit going down in our lives and unexpected things happening. So I know I've been teasing this. I know it's been driving you all crazy. But please, 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 please trust in me when I say the show is coming. So if it doesn't happen now, it'll definitely be in November. So please bear with us as we get through all the crazy shit that we're trying to get through. And also make sure you guys support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Also, as a side note, I want to say if you're worried about us having personal shit to deal with in our lives, the more money we make from this podcast, uh, the more time we can devote to it and not have to worry about those day jobs and other things in our lives that drive us insane. Now, there are three different levels you can contribute at. Each will have prizes coming soon. The first level is 99 cents per month. That's right. All you got to do is donate 99 cents per month and you can help this podcast grow. We also have a second level you contribute at, which is $4.99 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription, you can bring it here. I know a lot of you guys aren't fans of the Peacock, so rather than give them money, give us money. We have better content than the Peacock. Also, you can donate for a mere $9.99. That's the final level. The money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the States is what you can give to the Boochcast because ever since uh, they sold the Peacock here in the United States, we don't have the network anymore. So you don't have a place to put that $9.99. Take it. Bring it over here. We got better content than the network anyway. And you have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the money you donate goes back into the show. We use to upgrade the equipment. We use it to bring in bigger name stars to interview. Also, it allows me to pay the bills and take care of all the guys who work very hard on air and behind the scenes to bring this show to you guys. So if you have a co-host who feels they deserve to be paid for their work, that anchor.fm slash the bootcast slash support is how you make that happen. And if there's any money left over, we use it to feed Zach ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Pizza, <laughs> baby!
Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.